This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Westwards podcast for today, Monday the 1st of June 2020. My name is James Roy. I'm a writer, but I'm also the Blacktown and Blue Mountains program manager for Westwards, and I'll be your host. This is a news, views and interviews podcast. Uh, today will be, well, today is really, a, I think we could describe today as the Angry Little podcast, and in a moment you'll see why. Uh, anger seems to be a theme that has come up a lot today. I don't know whether people are just getting frustrated at the whole quarantine lockdown thing or whether it's the political uh, climate in various places or whatever it might be, but um, people are getting cranky. And today we're going to talk about artists and their place in being cranky and being angry. So today we have our quote of the day from Alanis Morissette. See, told you it was going to be cranky. Uh, We have a poet angrily turning someone's words back on themselves. We have a Western Sydney writer who wrote three books in response to feeling a little bit cranky. We also have our usual news and opportunities, so please stay with us. One of the traditions that we have on this podcast is to have a quote of the day from somebody who ordinarily was born on this day. Uh, Sometimes we make an exception and make it somebody who passed away on this day. Sometimes it might even be somebody who was involved in a major event that occurred on this day in history. Today we're going with convention and we're going with somebody who was born on this day. Alanis Morissette, who was born in Canada on this day in 1974. So she's 46 today. Congratulations, Alanis Morissette, for turning 46 today. Of course, anyone who lived through the 90s will know this album, Jagged Little Pill. It's her most successful album. In fact, it's one of the most successful albums ever recorded. It, uh, I think it sold something like 33 million copies around the world, nominated for nine Grammy Awards and won five, including Album of the Year, and she was 21 when that happened. She didn't come out of nowhere. She had a couple of smaller albums beforehand, but Jagged Little Pill landed and it really resonated. And I remember receiving this album as a gift around about the time that my my second daughter was born. And I remember listening to this album and just being blown away by the passion in it. And and Alanis Morissette has spoken a lot about how when you go to the effort of making art, make it about something, be passionate about it, don't just do it half-heartedly. And certainly half-hearted is not something you could ever accuse Alanis Morissette of being. So Jagged Little Pill, as I say, it, was her, it wasn't her first album. It was actually her third, but it was a really big one that, that broke through for her and how it broke through. 
Uh, and you just look at the track listing and there's some pretty angry stuff on that album. You Ought to Know is really a, uh, a song about betrayal and, and again, very angry. Perfect is a song that talks, it's a ballad that talks about parents being pushy and expecting their children to, to be perfect. Hand in My Pocket was probably one of the two big earworm tracks off this album. Right Through You is a song about record executives and how many of them prey on young female artists. There's a song about her Catholic upbringing and talking about um, slut-shaming, I suppose you'd call it. And on it goes, Head Over Feet, uh, about her feeling like she's a bit of a handful. Mary Jane is a song about reaching out to somebody who's in a state of crisis. And then, of course, there's Ironic, which <laughs> has attracted its own fair share of criticism because... Uh, I remember Ed Byrne, the Irish comedian, doing a bit about this way back in the late 90s, saying um, all those things that you list aren't ironic, they're just unfortunate is the way he puts it. He said, so he actually coined a new word, Alanic, which is a, a statement that sounds ironic at first glance but in actual fact isn't. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It's an amazing song. She, now, there's lots of quotes by Alanis. Uh, in fact, most of her album is quotable. But... As you've probably detected by now, I'm a bit of a fan. Uh, but I'm just gonna—I just want to read these four quotes by her. They—they they are fairly short, but they add up to really one overwhelming idea. She says, "Anger has been a really big deal for women. How can we express it without feeling that, as a physically weaker sex, we won't get killed? The alpha woman was burned at the stake and had her head chopped off in days of old." Then she said, when I was younger, I was terrified to express anger because it would often kickstart a horrible reaction in the men in my life. So I bit my tongue. I was left to painstakingly deal with the aftermath of my avoidance later in life, in therapy or through the lyrics of my songs. We're taught to be ashamed of confusion, anger, fear and sadness, and to me they're of equal value to happiness, excitement and inspiration. What influenced me was Tori Amos, who was unapologetic about expressing anger through music, and Sinead O'Connor. Those two in particular were really moving for me and very inspiring before I wrote Jagged Little Pill. So I guess the question really is, how do we deal with anger in our art and is it useful? And I don't think that even really needs to be discussed too much further. I think that we can all accept that anger is a very useful part of being an artist. But how do we turn that around? How do we take just being seen as a cranky person and make it into art and make it actually do something make it get people's attention affect some change and uh, we've we've been covering this topic a little bit in the last week or so or I, I have where I've been recording podcasts with various people I've recorded one with uh, this is for our mini masterclass uh, segments I've just finished doing one with Ali Whitelock who is a poet uh, Scottish born poet in Australia who's a lot of fun, but also gets gets quite angry, and, and I'll, I'll tell her story in just a moment. And we also had Randa Abdel-Fattah, who talks about writing with a purpose and how having something to say politically or socially can be best expressed through story. And Nardine as well, the uh, hip-hop artist from Western Sydney. I interviewed her for our mini masterclass as well, and she also talked about having something to say. And I think the, over, the overarching idea, the accepted way to look at this is that people respond better to story than they do to being preached at. Didacticism very rarely works. Those of us who work with younger people, who write for young people, understand this 
as well as anyone that telling people what to think never works. It's really a matter of peeling back those layers and showing people stories up close so that they can make their own judgment based on the evidence in front of them. It's really the only way to change people's mind. And there is a lot of anger around today. So this is the theme we're going to talk about, this anger that's around at the moment. Just today in Minneapolis, we have riots going on because a black man was killed by police uh, in, in full view. And there are now riots in that part of America. America is effectively split down the middle at the moment. And we're not far behind in this country and elsewhere around the world. People are frustrated. Entire countries seem to be angry with other countries, rightly or wrongly. People are taking advantage of the opportunity to drive wedges between people by generating anger in the most simple ways. They're leveraging anger into social change. And a lot of it isn't for the better. So today we're going to talk with a couple of people who have used anger in different ways in their writing. So that's Alanis Morissette. There's a lot more she has to say. If you go and look at some of her quotes, you can find them online very easily. She's actually got a lot to say about beauty and about inspiration and about finding the right place in your life where you can write from a uh, or create from a peaceful place. But she also had much to say about anger. And if you've never listened to Jagged Little Pill, track it down. So as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, I recently was fortunate enough to uh, record a mini masterclass with Ali Whitelock, who is a Scottish poet. She was born in Scotland. She lives here now with her French husband. Uh, She's a lot of fun and she's a terrific poet. Uh, She recently released her second collection of poetry called The Lactic Acid in the Calves of Your Despair, which is a terrific title. But she kind of hit the big time in relative terms quite recently following the uh, the bushfire crisis that we had in Australia where basically Australia was burning this summer. People around the world were watching Australia burn. And she talks about how she listened to our Prime Minister talking about his decision to stay in uh, in Hawaii with his family while the crisis was occurring. And she talks about how she listened to this and then she also started reading the tweets by people who were stuck in fire affected areas and the advice that was being sent out to people saying if you have not left your home yet it is too late to leave and this is the best way to deal with the approaching fire threat and she thought this is a pretty savage juxtaposition of uh, what she felt was complacency Uh, up against crisis and she also was conscious of the fact as as many people are that Scott Morrison had at one point gone into parliament with a lump of coal and had said look coal's nothing to be scared about and was basically it looked like what he was trying to do was uh, play down the threat of climate change. Now this isn't a political podcast that's not the point the point is that this particular series of statements by various people in Ali Whitelock's mind basically made her uh, raise her eyebrows and go, that is infuriating to me. I need to say something about that. But rather than be didactic and just preach, this is what she came up with. 
If you are in or close to the bush, leave now. If you choose to stay, we may not be able to save you. Save any woolen blankets you may have. Wrap yourself in them when the fire comes. There is no better place to raise kids. If you are trapped in your car, face towards the oncoming fire, tightly close windows and doors, get down below window level. This is your highest priority. The Prime Minister regrets any offence caused to anyone for him being away at this time of crisis. For those of you in fire affected, insert town name here, it is now too late to leave. The girls and Jen will stay on and stay out the rest of the time we had booked here. We will not be changing our climate policy settings. But I'm comforted by the fact that Australians would like me to be here just simply so I can be here alongside them as they're going through this terrible time. How good is Hawaii? If you don't have a bushfire smoke respirator, P2 or a flat fold mask including valve 9322A plus maximum two packets per customer was 94.95 now 77.45 stay indoors I don't hold a hose mate but I understand people are angry people are hurting this is cold don't be scared don't be afraid seek shelter from the heat of the fire but look the girls and Jen they love holidaying in Hawaii and so we've had a few nice days here drink water to prevent dehydration evacuate your horse to the beach have your children roll for their lives Australians will be inspired by the great feats of our cricketers. This is not about climate change. We are meeting and beating our Paris Agreement targets. How good's Australia? To the 500 million species we burned, how good's the cricket? You won't be getting any votes down here, buddy. You're an idiot. Leave the pregnant woman's hand alone. The sky will turn black. Turn your headlights on. You're out, son. Do you have a bushfire survival plan? Activate it. So that was Ali Whitelock with her poem, This is Coal, Don't Be Afraid. Uh, and 
it's not actually a poem written by her so much as curated by her. She has taken words, it's a found poem, it's taken, she has taken words written and spoken and, and presented by other people and curated them in such a way that they have something to say. Now, the second part of this story is that Ali uh, put this on YouTube, which is where we sourced this with her permission, and Malcolm Turnbull noticed and retweeted it. And as a result, it was shown on the Andrew Bolt report, on the Bolt report on Sky News, and was presented to uh, a whole bunch of his panellists, and they were very disparaging of it. One of them said, it's not really Tennyson, is it? And others said she wanted, made her want to vomit. And I spoke to Ali about this and, and basically said, so what's the go there? Do you, uh, did it make you angry to, or upset that people were so disparaging of your work? This guy was so catastrophic. The whole world knew about it. The whole world was watching it every day. You know, we were the front page of the New York Times, weren't we? It was so everyone was aware of the facts of it. But I think that level of Scott Morrison is in Hawaii, the rural fire service statements, tweets from people saying, if you, you know, if, you, if you're too close to the fire, wrap yourself in woolen blankets, brought home an emotion. Like I kind of, I feel as though, and I've heard and people have said that it, it made it more immediate in a way, you know, it's like... It pulls focus like, on it, really. Like, it's a bit like when you, when you read a headline of, you know, 10 people killed, let's say. It doesn't always hit us because we're so used to that. But when you hear it from, the, from somebody else, that it was their brother or their sister who died in a tragedy or my friend's house was burnt down, well, that brings something new. You know, I think it kind of gets into the heart a bit more as opposed to a headline, which can do, can do, um, can get in there. But some, there's something about more the emotion of the poem, I think, brought it home. I know you said that all publicity is good publicity and, um, and, and it ends up on the Bolt Report. Mm. But was there still a moment at that point where you went, I don't like this. They're not giving this the, uh, they're not reading this the way that I intended it to be read. No, I, did, I didn't feel that at any point in time at all because I had a, I at first when somebody told me oh my god your poem's playing on the poll report I'm like what I was I was a bit terrified because I expected to get trolled by more right-wing people who were fine with what was happening with the, with the climate you know and I'm not a climate activist and I'm not a political poet maybe I should just say that up front I'm not someone who sort of gets on my just this particular summer just terrified me so I wrote that so um no, in some ways I just kind of laughed when I listened to these panellists say what they had to say and they were ridiculing it. It didn't matter to me. You know, I, 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 I certainly don't need the um, approval of Andrew Bolton as panellists. Like, you know, so it was just, for me, it was a little bit of, I was a little bit of flying the ointment that day, I think, for them. They were forced to play my poem. Okay, so that's the win for me. It was mentioned uh, on the telly win for me they ridiculed it i even loved that they ridiculed it because i guess i just said yeah it, it really speaks to your your ignorance you know so i was totally okay with that so that was ali whitelock talking about her poem this is cold don't be afraid which was a found poem that she created and that snippet of interview that you heard then was a part of our mini masterclass podcast that i did with ali which will be coming out uh, this coming thursday as part of our mini masterclass uh 
podcast channel. Details can be found on our website, westwords.com.au. I also promised you another artist who is writing from a place of crankiness, and that artist is Deborah Abella. Deborah is a writer from uh, the inner west. She's done a lot of work with Westwards over the years. She's a children's and young adult writer, predominantly children's, one of Australia's more successful children's writers. And she did a reading for us not that long ago, which is available now on our YouTube channel, which is called Westwards Official. If you search for that at YouTube or, again, go to our website. She did a reading from her new book, Final Storm, which is part of a trilogy. And before she did the reading, she spoke a little bit about how she came to write this book. Hi everyone, my name is Deborah Abella and I'm an author and today I thought I would read you a tiny bit from this book here called Final Storm. This is my latest book and it's actually the third book in a trilogy that was never meant to be a trilogy. Um, in the first book called Grimsden I basically got really really angry that governments around the world weren't dealing with the issue of climate change so I flooded an entire city, added sea monsters, flying machines and girls who were good with swords. After that I got harassed by lots of angry children to find out what happened next and uh, after a being harassed for quite a while I thought yeah okay I, I would like to know what happens next so the kids in the flooded city um, managed to um, escape to a new place called New City and they set up a new life there but the weather's gone really wild um, and unpredictable and there is also a secret at the edge of the forest. Now I thought <laughs> this would make the angry kids happy with me. Uh, it didn't. They wrote back again and said yep thanks lady for writing New City now what's going to happen in the next book. Then I thought do you know what when I first started thinking about Grimsden, uh, the world actually was, wasn't really good at all dealing with the issue of climate change, but I think we're getting better. I think we're getting better at recognising what we need to do to take care of this gorgeous planet much, much better. So uh, I wrote Final Storm. So that was Deborah Bella. If you want to have a listen to that reading by Deb, you can go to our uh, readings playlist on our Westwards official YouTube channel, which is called Westwards Official. And uh, check it out. Just so you don't think we're only about doom and gloom and anger at Westwards, we were recently involved in a project that we're very proud to be uh, a part of, a company called Dirt Lane Press, an Australian publisher, children's publisher. They approached us and asked us to help facilitate the translation of one of their books called Where Happiness Hides. This is a beautiful picture book by Anthony Bettini, with stunning pictures by Jennifer Goldsmith, and it's published by Dirt Lane Press. And as part of a response to the COVID-19 crisis around the world, Dirt Lane Press wanted to give away this beautiful inspirational picture book. And to make it easier for everyone in the world, or as many people as possible in the world, to enjoy this and to have this moment of hope from this beautiful book about happiness hiding in the strangest and most unusual little places we helped facilitate the translation into 35 different languages. Now, they're not all up yet, but here's how this works. If you go to the website Where Happiness Hides, it's those three words, wherehappinesshides.com, you'll find a page at the beginning there that has a whole number of uh, languages listed. There's Mandarin, simplified Chinese, there is Japanese, there is uh, 
Hindi and Russian and Indonesian and a whole bunch of different languages. And you can go there and click on that and it will take you to a version of the book uh, reproduced with the language of your choice as the text. It's a really beautiful interface and there's also an opportunity there for you to go and listen to Greta Skarki, Australian actress, Greta Skarki reading it. Uh, there's a YouTube link, there are colouring in pages and all sorts of lovely things. This is something that Dirt Lane Press have done for free. And it's only for a limited time, but if you want to go in there and have a look and share it widely, I think you'll find it really uh, is a really beautiful addition to the books out there that are available for you and your family. All the services that Westwards offers and that you can see on our website and that we are known for are the uh, public events and the school's work that we do and publications and the free material that we've been putting up online uh, as a response to the COVID lockdown. None of this is cheap. Now, one of the ways that we do help pay the bills and keep the lights on is through donations and through the generosity of uh, our donors and through our fundraisers. But I think at the moment, a lot of people are feeling donation fatigue. We had the bushfires and now we've got COVID and there's always something else to put your hand in your pocket for and to donate to. So sometimes it's nice to get something back for your donation. Now we have just this weekend launched uh, an auction, an online auction of original artworks, original and very limited edition prints by a number of very prominent and successful Australian children's book illustrators. So we have works by... Julie Vivas, Anna Walker, a beautiful piece by Bronwyn Bancroft. Uh, Freya Blackwood has got a couple in there. Uh, the Freya Blackwood uh, paintings are original. They're watercolours. There's Donna Rawlins. Jeannie Baker's got a couple of very nice pieces as well. Uh, Nick Bland, Martin Chatterton, Max Hamilton, uh, Christina Hearn, Lee Hobbs, who was, last, who was our most recent uh, children's laureate. Michelle Strike, Owen Swan, Stephen Michael King, Toby Riddle, Andrew McLean, Anna Pinataro, Alison Lester and Anne James and Anna Quay rounds out the group. So we've got a number of really lovely pieces there and we are taking bids now. Some of them already have bids on them. So here's how you do it. You go to our website, westwords.com.au. There is a link on the front page there. Click on that. It will take you in there and you can scroll through those and have a look and register if you're interested and bid. And at the end of this process, a number of people are go, going to receive some very, very nice original works and very limited edition prints and effectively own a piece of Australian children's picture book history. So please go to our website. This would make a great gift uh, or just something to put on your own study wall or on your lounge room wall or wherever you like. These are really stunning pieces. So website, click on the link, have a look, please bid. Your money goes to a very worthy cause, the literature of Western Sydney and the people who enjoy and create that literature. So that's it from us for today. Join us again in another fortnight where we will have more news, views and interviews for you from Westwards. In the meantime, if you have any questions at all, get in touch with us via our website, westwords.com.au. We'll do our best to answer those questions and have a poke around there and see what else we're offering. Please stay safe uh, as we can't gradually find our way out of the current lockdown. Try not to get too angry.
And if you must get angry, channel it into your work because uh, that's what writers do, that's what creators do, that's what artists do, is we take the big feelings that we have and we turn them into art. So have a great fortnight until we talk again. As we always say, happy creating. Thank you.